Welcome to Northern Night Story Exchange. Today's story comes to us from r slash writing prompts. Written by user ecstatic and insatiate. Today's story is about an office worker who is trapped in an elevator for what seems like two hours in the year 1999. When the elevator doors finally open, time has moved forward, the new year being 2018. The elevator's gotten itself stuck once before, so I'm not that surprised when it jolts to a stop halfway between the 20th and 21st floors. They might be surprised when they pry those damn doors open and find me clouding up the place with cigarette smoke. I popped open the hatch in the ceiling to keep from suffocating myself. But you know how it is. You get trapped in an elevator, you get stressed. It's better than pissing in the corner anyway. I don't know how long I'm in there when the elevator finally eases itself back down again. The doors slide open. I half expect my boss to be standing there with a scowl and a lecture about smoking in elevators. I wince and wait, but there's only one person there. She looks at me, at the still-lit cigarette, wrinkles her nose. You know you're not supposed to smoke inside, right? She says. But I can't listen to her. Not really. There's a little glowing screen nestled in the palm of her hand. I lean forward to stare. She pulls her arm back instinctively. What's that? I ask. Now the woman narrows her eyes at me. She looks over my uniform and the elevator. I think I should get a manager or something. I snuff out my cigarette on the bottom of my shoe and laugh at her. Ah, okay. When I step out, the lobby looks nearly the same. It's nighttime in New York still. The hotel's glossy front doors let in the light-speckled dark. The floors are just as sleek and smooth and shiny. But the art on the walls is different. The people are different. Their clothing tight-fitting and strange. And there are screens. There are screens absolutely goddamn everywhere. I stumble up to the front desk, hoping to ask Karen what the hell is going on here. Is this all some kind of elaborate joke? But I don't recognize the man standing there. Behind him, a massive television with our logo cycles through pictures. It's impossibly narrow, no thicker than my thumb. Even the computer screen in front of him is just as bright and thin. Can I help you, sir? I manage... What the hell is going on here? The front desk manager frowns at me. His stare settles on my uniform. His is black, slick, a gold monogrammed logo on the breast. Sir, are you a guest here? No, I'm not a guest. Someone reaches behind me and rests a gentle hand on my elbow. Oh, Jack, a woman coos. I'm so glad you've made it. I turn, eyes wide in disbelief. I don't recognize her for a second. Black covers her from head to toe. Narrow jeans, heavy jacket, even earrings are gleaming black pearls. Her eyes needle mine meaningfully. Come on, she says. We've got a reservation. She pulls me away before the receptionist can ask me about my filthy old uniform. She loops her arm in mine 
and murmurs low under her breath, We need to go. Now. I want to argue, but instead I pull away from her, just to put my coat back on. I'm not sure what the hell is going on here, I admit. That's okay. Her smile is crisp and humorless. I do. I follow her out into the rain-darkened street. She's moving fast, her head darting this way and that. We need to get you some new clothes, she says over her shoulder. But first, we're going to hurry up and hide. But I pause outside the hotel doors, just to marvel for a moment. My hotel's street gleams with signs I don't recognize. And the cars swishing back and forth are so rounded and smooth, and I can't stop watching the rain scatter over them. The woman seizes my elbow and jerks me toward her so hard I nearly stumble. What the hell? I snap. What part of we have to go do you not understand? I didn't bring you 20 years into the future so you could stand there and gawk. A hundred different arguments swirl in my head. I finally settle on. Sorry, what? Like some kind of goddamn idiot. But her eyes scan over my shoulder. For the first time, I recognize her look. She's afraid. They're following us, she murmurs. I follow her glance. Behind us, beyond the safe light of the hotel's front doors, there's a silhouette of a person. So dark I can't see his face. But he is lean and big-shouldered and undeniably watching us. The woman hooks her arm in mine again and yanks me down the street. She hisses through her teeth. Don't look back. Don't let him know we recognize him. He who? Her glare snaps up at me. She's pretty. Somehow prettier when she was mad. If you keep stopping to ask me questions, you're going to die before you get answers to any of them. So, I stop asking questions and follow her into the dark. Part 2 The woman practically throws herself into traffic to stop a cab. There's only one other person inside woman in a crisp peacoat who looks over us in mild surprise when my strange companion wrenches the door open. Lady, the taxi driver starts. What the fuck are you doing? But she can't answer the cabbie. She flips open a wallet and holds a bundle of cash to the woman. How much for your taxi? She looks between us and the money and scoffs. You couldn't just call an Uber? We're in a hurry. I dare to glance over my shoulder. The man of shadows is following us, and the closer he gets, I realize with mounting dread. He doesn't have a face. There is only featureless dark where his face should be. The other woman eases out of the cab as horns behind us scream. Someone swerves around the taxi and yells, Dickhead! out the window. This city is full of idiots. The passenger mutters, but she takes the money and steps back out onto the street. My companion dives inside, dragging me down with her. She slaps the back of the cabbie's seat and tells him, We have to go now. Take us uptown. I'll tell you where in a minute. She takes out that damn screen and starts tapping her fingers against it. 
The light changes and moves. I want to ask her about it, but I can only lean across the space between us and murmur, Who's that following us? We don't talk about them. She leans forward between the two seats and bellows to the cabbie. What the hell are you waiting for? I look out the window. The man on the sidewalk is gone. I turn to tell the woman that we're fine. The cabbie's hands fly to her neck. His face melts into nothing. His eyes drip and warp like paint washing out underwater. And then his face, too, is just darkness. The woman chokes and gasps and pulls out a knife from her belt. She stabs it in one of the arms clutching her. The man lets go. His howl comes out muffled like there is a hand pressed over his mouth. Shit, she says over and over, under her breath. Blood streaks her hands. I wonder for the first time if this is why she's wearing so much black. I don't waste any more time asking questions. I reach for the door handle. Some insane part of me wants to run back to the elevator, like it will take me home again. Someone else yanks the door out of my hand. I stand for a few seconds staring, unable to process it. It's the woman we booted out of our cab. I recognize her coat, but her face is missing. Something gleams in her hand. I wind back and slam my boot hard into her belly before I can even think before I can even fully register that she's carrying a pocket knife. The woman next to me screams, Don't let her in! I scramble, slamming the door shut, jamming the lock down. The woman rattles the door handle over and over. She kicks the car door in frustration when it doesn't move. My companion opens her door and rips open the cabbie's door. Through the rain-streaked window, I watch, stupid and helpless, as the cabbie stumbles out of the car. His blood is all over the console and the seat. His hands dart for her throat again. Her knife finds his palm, his shoulder. He half collapses against the car, with his back against the window. I can see the darkness clinging to the back of his neck, as if it has thin fingers. Those fingers furrow his skin as they dig in like claws. The faceless woman jerks her head towards my companion. She moves towards the other side of the car in hurried, jerky steps. But she doesn't seem to care about either of the faceless bastards. She kicks the man firmly in the stomach, sends him stumbling back. Then she leaps into the front seat and shuts the door. Stay down, she orders over her shoulder. The car roars forward, nearly colliding with another sedan. But we've made it out. Somehow. What the hell? I sputter. Sitting up on my knees to stare out the back window. The woman looks back at me like she wants to stab me too. What part of stay the fuck down don't you understand? What's wrong with those people? Their faces. That's why you're here. I need your help. I start laughing. Madly. Part of me wants to cry. I'm a minimum wage stoner. Her head shakes. You're more than that. She veers hard right. I know by the shriek of metal and the cry of a horn that we hit another car, but she doesn't care. She goes even faster. 
that thing on their faces, she says, without looking back at me. It's after us. People like me. People like you. What do you mean, people like me? I don't even know who you are. I'm Carrie. She manages a tight, lightless smirk. And you and I are stuck out of time. And that thing, she nods back over her shoulder towards the strangers we left there in the dark. That thing is trying to kill us before we can kill it. I don't know what to say. I just tap out a cigarette with shuddering fingers and light it up in the car. Carrie and I don't say another word as she speeds us deeper into the city and away from the empty faces of the monsters that hunted us. This has been Northern Night Story Exchange, Episode 2. For more work by this author, visit their subreddit, r slash shoring up fragments or their patreon at patreon.com slash shoring up fragments where their current novella the control group is available intro music is haze by grai visit them on bandcamp.com outro music is halves rupture by ignia Visit them on YouTube, Spotify, or their website, ignia.band. Thank you for listening.